Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Well, good morning. Oh, we got a full crowd here today. School's back in session. Want to welcome this crowded house here, everybody watching online as well. And as we get started this morning, I want to begin with a little survey. Okay, we're all going to participate here. How many of you are on Instagram? I'm just curious. Raise your hands up high. Okay, not, not like right this minute, but you, you do Instagram. Like, keep your hand up. Let me see. Okay, okay. Let me begin. I want to tell you my Instagram story. See, I was already on Facebook, and so I didn't feel the need to get on Instagram. Okay, I'm like, I'm good. I'm fine. Well, then my wife, Wendy, she, she gets on Instagram. She starts doing these reels. Does everybody know what reels are? Those little short video clips. And she would occasionally ask me with, with sad eyes if I had seen her reel. And, and I'm like, well, was it on Facebook? And she explained, no, she didn't have Facebook on her phone. And Facebook doesn't do reels. you got to get Instagram. And I'm like, well, I don't do Instagram, okay? I just don't. And that lasted about a month, okay? And then finally I could tell, oh, she really wants me to watch these reels. And so, so I caved and, and I got on Instagram for a while. But then they started asking me for all this personal information that I didn't care to give them, okay? And so I ignored it, I ignored it, and finally they kind of blocked the screen and said, you've got to give us this information. So I told them that I was born in 1902, okay? Thank you for laughing. Okay, some people didn't laugh at Sun City, like, oh, he's my age. <laughs> Anyhow, so <laughs> we nixed that from the video. Uh, <clears throat> so then they asked me to verify it, which I did, yes, 1902, they kicked me off, Okay. And no tears were shed, but then the forlorn looks started from my wife again. And so I created, I know, aw, and I created a new account. I gave my name. I gave my actual birth date, right, my real email addresses, shoe size, personal medication list, bank routing numbers. I mean, pretty much everything shy of promising I'd take the mark of the beast if they wanted me to. And finally, I get back on. And in my opinion, you know, Instagram, it's pretty much like all the other social media apps. Uh, pretty much so. And, and, and don't get me wrong, it's good, it's fun. I mean, I get interesting stuff I get to look at. I can follow my friends and what they're up to. I can watch my wife's reels, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, of course, you get a constant feed, like this news feed, where they're trying to tempt you to buy stuff that you really don't need, right? <laughs> they're trying to make you feel like you're inadequate without it. And, and after a while, it starts to get to you, you're like, ooh, I've got to have that gadget, right? Oh, I, I want those nice shoes. I want that dress, right? Not, not me personally. I'm pointing at myself. <laughs> women, hopefully women say that I'm digging myself in either. I want the bass guitar. That's what I want when I'm looking, okay? But anyway, you know, social media, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, it's a great opportunity to, to showcase how wonderful your life is, right, compared to everybody else. And it's where you put your best Photoshop filtered selfies and, your awesome vacation pics with your dream spouse and your perfect children. And, and yeah, I'm being a little bit cynical here, but nobody in this room can argue with the fact that as awesome as social media can be, it really does set up the comparison game, right? Come on, we all know that. All sorts of articles have been written about this, and people get on there and they're like, oh, my vacation wasn't as cool as their vacation, and on and on it goes. And I'll say this, one great thing about social media whether it's Facebook, Instagram, whatever it may be, is that it's a, constantly, a constant reminder to us that there really is no win in comparison. 
Let me say that again. There's no win in comparison. Now, the reason I bring all this up is because we're in this series called Hijacked. And we're talking about when certain emotions hijack control of our lives. They tend to take control and they, and they try to take over control of our mouth and then they get our mouths to say things that we, we really didn't think we wanted to say. And, and really, it's kind of exposing to us. It exposes our hearts. And that's what we're going after in this series is what's going on inside of us, okay? And we've grounded this whole series in a passage from Jesus. It's Matthew 15, 17 to 19. This is what Jesus says. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. And if you look over at Mark, there's an even greater list. He includes even more that Jesus puts onto this whole list here. Now, just by way of review, if you missed last week, okay, I talked about the fact that if you ever run into somebody or you know somebody in life, and, and sometimes they tend to say or do things that are a bit out of character, especially when they're under stress or, or pressure, and, and then they say, like, well, you know, I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to do that. I don't know where that came from. If they do that, you can just lean in and say, I do. I know where it came from. And it came from your heart. It came out of you because it was in you already. And so I, I used this Skittle jar last Sunday, and, and some people were very disappointed, right, that I didn't use it for longer. It was a quick illustration. Some people missed it. They expected me to throw Skittles at everybody, and you get a Skittle, you get a Skittle, whatever. But, but here, here was my whole point with, with the Skittle jar here. And, and it's simply this, that, that shaking this container, okay, I'm going to do that. There we go. Okay, I made a little bit of a mess. Shaking this container or, or tipping this container over, right, that doesn't determine what comes out of this container, does it? The pressure that comes from the outside. Whatever is already in here, in this case Skittles, determines what comes out. And so it is with us, right? If something comes out of here, it's because it was already in here. That's what Jesus is saying. But with us, it's not all sweet and, and pretty and colorful, is it? Not all the time. Not like Skittles. So, Last week we talked about guilt. Today, what we're going to talk about is envy. And I'm going to tell you from the get-go, envy may be the ugliest thing in human nature. Because there is no upside to anger. Or to envy, rather. No upside to envy. In fact, how many of you have had, I won't, I won't ask you to raise your hands. I'm not going to incriminate anybody. But you may have had this experience before where someone else stumbles, someone else falls, someone else fails, and something inside of you goes, yes, Right? Yeah, I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I don't want to incriminate everybody, okay? <laughs> and maybe after a while you go, oh, that was kind of a yucky, terrible thought. And, and there might be a reason behind that. You might think, well, you know, that person's kind of cocky. So, yeah, that'll take them down a notch. Or maybe it's just because it makes you feel a little better about yourself. But no matter the cause, envy is ugly. And try to imagine if envy became the boss of you. I mean, it would ruin what's most valuable to you. And I'll say this, envy resides at least a little bit in every single one of us. So King Solomon is considered the wisest man who ever lived next to Jesus. He said this in Proverbs 14.30. He said, envy rots the bones. Envy rots the bones. In other words, when we're envious, you know what we're doing? We're focused on somebody out there. And what they've done, what they have, how smart their kids or grandkids are, how cool their car is. 
And, and Solomon says, don't kid yourself, envy hurts you. Envy rots the bones. And here's why. This is what makes this so ridiculous. In envy, you end up in a competition with somebody out there who doesn't even know that you're competing with them. Right? You're striving so hard to, to drive cooler, live nicer, be smarter, perform better. And, and then it can make us arrogant because we've accomplished more. We're more successful than these other people. Or it can make us depressed and we despise ourselves because we fall short. See, there's no upside. There's no positive side to envy. It rots the bones. It'll ruin relationships. It'll make you not a very good friend, not a very good relative, not a very good coworker. And so here's the bottom line. Knock it off, all right? Everybody just knock it off. We good? Okay, let's pray. Yeah. If only it was that easy. This ain't going away, people. And like a hijacker, envy kind of sneaks up on us. Right? And suddenly we feel it. We don't mean to feel it, but we do. And it's like, where did that come from? You know what Jesus says? I'll tell you where it came from. It came from inside of you. And even though we're not going to completely get rid of envy, we can make sure that it doesn't control or drive us. I put this on your note. Uh, envy is not a problem to solve. It's a tension to manage. It's not a problem to solve. It's a tension to manage. We can learn to monitor our hearts and begin to deal with it. And here's some great news. Solomon, the one who gave us the envy rots the bone statement, he also gives us a path forward. And I want you to listen to what he writes in Ecclesiastes 4.4. Solomon says, I saw, this is big, I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This is King Solomon, right? With all this perspective, all this wealth, all this wisdom. And he says, here's my observation. For the most part, everybody's competing with everybody else. And they're measuring how well they're doing by looking at other people's successes compared to theirs. Folks, this is 3,000 years ago. So this is just human nature, right? We're measuring, okay, everybody's measuring against everybody else. And, and Solomon basically says, this is ridiculous. He doesn't use that word. He actually says, this too is meaningless. I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Let's say that ending together. A chasing after the wind. That's some powerful imagery there. Like there's no finish line. It's endless. No peace. No ultimate satisfaction. No contentment. It's like an unquenchable appetite, a chasing after the wind. And Solomon here, he's not trying to bait us into laziness or doing less because Solomon also says, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Okay, that's his imagery of the person who says, whatever, I'm just not going to do anything. He's like, well, that's not the answer either. This is not about being passive or nonproductive. And then Solomon, he's so, so wise he brings these two ideas together. On the one hand, it's not about giving up and doing nothing. But on the other hand, it's not about striving and stressing yourself out trying to be someone you're not. He says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. It's better to have one handful of what you were created for, what you were designed to do, than to have two handfuls where one of those handfuls is stressing you out because you're trying to keep up with somebody you'll never be able to keep up with. Now, tranquility, that's not a word we use a lot. It's just satisfaction. It's contentment. 
is coming home in the evening and said, you know what, I did the best I could today and I'm fine with that. It's lying in bed at night with this sense of peace because I'm not stressing myself out trying to be somebody. I'm not designed to be trying to do things that I wasn't called to or designed to accomplish. Like, I'm not doing that. But chasing, chasing leaves us always wanting more. Always wanting more. It's like an unquenchable appetite. And his point is simply this. Less is more when it leads to contentment. People, hear this. Less is more when it leads to contentment. And the result then is it's peace with yourself. It's peace with those around you, especially those who you love the most, those who are closest to you. Better to have one handful with tranquility than grasping and striving and pretending and editing and cropping and filtering and nope, that's not it, and retaking, nope, that's not it, right? And that's why some of you have gotten off of social media. It was driving you crazy, right? And you're like thinking about it all the time, saying, my life is so lame compared to my friends' lives online. Like, I'm a loser. My husband's a loser. My kids, oh, my kids, right? It's just driving you crazy. And some of you, some of you were wise enough to make the decision, I'm going to step away from that. I'm going to take a break from this. I'm going to take a little break from this whole social media comparison game. And here's my suggestion for you. Anything that stirs up discontentment, just remove it from your life. Anything that leaves you feeling less than or discontent, right? Anything, it could be a subscription you have to a magazine, online site, a social media app, whatever it may be. Anything that stirs up envy, just do yourself a favor and get rid of it. Because it's actually feeding that thing that's inside of all of us that will take control if we let it. So cancel it. Like quit looking, quit taking, quit scrolling whatever that might be. All right, Solomon's not done yet. He has more to say on this subject, and now he's going to take us in a little different direction. Let's follow him here. He says, again, I saw something else meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. Okay, let me give you some Old Testament historical context here. It meant he had nobody to leave his stuff to because women couldn't inherit in that culture. And so here's a guy with no heir to leave his stuff to. And Solomon says, I'm watching this guy, and there was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. He wouldn't let up. Like he was chasing and working and working and working and accumulating so much focus on what he was doing. And then Solomon says, finally, this guy stopped and asked himself a very important question. And if you're an ambitious person like me, if you love progress and accomplishment, you need to ask yourself this question. Here it is. For whom am I toiling? In other words, what's really driving me? What is really driving? What am I trying to prove? And here's the tougher part. Who am I trying to prove it to? Or for you grammar Nazis out there who don't like prepositions at the end of sentences, to whom am I trying to prove it? All right. To whom am I trying to prove it? Really? Really? Like, why do you stress yourself out doing everything that you do? Really? And fathers are like, well, I do it for my family. Really? Like, your family is the one that's pushing you. Like, you wake up in the morning, they're standing by the door like, come on, Dad, you got this. Go get them. You're doing it for the family. Maybe. Or maybe there's a deeper answer to that question. Come on, men. 
why am I doing this really? Like, am I competing internally with someone out there who doesn't even know there's a competition going on? Or some industry out there that doesn't even know that you exist, much less that you're in competition with them. And again, what happens here, it's so, so interesting. In your competition, you can end up actually alienating the very people you say you're doing it for. Happens all the time. For whom am I toiling? Yeah, for some of you, there, there is a name, right? For some of you, there's a face. For some of you, it's your father. For some of you, it, it's your mother. For some of you, it's a deceased parent. Like you're still trying to prove yourself to someone who's not even around to see it. This is important because until we get an answer to this question, we may be chasing the wind. And we're desiring, we're jealous for their approval, we're jealous for that pat on the head or something else that we just ain't going to get. It's not going to happen. And we have given up our one handful of tranquility to chase after two handfuls with striving and chasing to the wind. All right, next, Solomon's imaginary person says this, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? (laughs) You ever ask yourself that question? Like, why, why, what's going on? I'm not even enjoying the stuff that I have. I don't pause long enough just to stop and smell the roses. My kids, I, I love my kids, but honestly, I'm, I'm not spending much time with them. Or my spouse, I love my spouse, but I don't spend much time with him or, or with her. And honestly, I'm not even enjoying what I'm doing. People, this is so important. This is like a relational and family death spiral. And, and sometimes we don't even know what's driving it. I'll tell you what's driving it. It's inside. It's envy, it's jealousy, it's comparison, and it's a chasing after the wind. This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Solomon says it's going to make you miserable. Like you will check every box, you'll accomplish everything on your to-do list, you'll get the award, you'll graduate tops in your class, and you'll go home and be miserable. Because something's driving you if you've never really put your finger on it. And if you're a Christian, this is a serious issue because you'll never experience God's purpose for your life if you're constantly distracted by God's purpose for someone else. Let me say that again. You'll never experience God's purpose for your life if you're distracted by God's purpose for someone else. Now, this is a big deal because God has given us a race to run, and and you've got to find that. And God's giving you a, 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 run, a run lane that you're supposed to stay in. You've got to stay in that lane. And to run that race, to stay in that lane, to not look over your shoulder what somebody else is doing, man, that is so freeing. If you do that, you know what will happen? You'll be able to work and have peace. You'll actually work more. You'll accomplish more. You'll have more contentment. And you'll begin to measure success a little bit differently. Now, this is not usually a one and done kind of deal either. You know, every day in some capacity, you may need to say, Envy, you're not going to control me here. Envy, you're not the boss of me. I'm not going there. I am not chasing after the wind. So here's the phrase Solomon began all this with. And I actually started earlier with the second half. So now we're going to back up. Here's the entire sentence, and this is so powerful. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. A heart at peace, man, that, that's this internal thing going on where I say, you know what, I've done all I know to do. I'm, I'm good with that. I'm going to be content with one handful of tranquility. In other words, you can't compete 
your way to peace. You can't compare your way to peace. You can't win chasing the wind. And if you're a Christian, God has given you, every one of you as a Christian, a race to run. As a parent, as a grandparent, as a professional, as a mentor, friend, athlete, whatever it may be, God has given you a race to run and a lane to run in. So let me encourage you, stay in your lane and change other people's lives from your lane. Because the moment you get outside of your lane and you allow envy and jealousy and comparison to be the boss of you, you know what happens? You quit being concerned about other people. Because envy is extraordinarily self-focused. I mean, think about it. It's hard for me. It's tough for me to care about you if I'm constantly worried and concerned about me. And that's the ugly part that pops up when someone else fails. Like another person tears you down so I can feel better about myself. How self-centered is that? And, of course, there, there is a time, by the way, to look to other people. But we look to others for inspiration, not imitation. Like read their biographies. Be inspired by their stories. Don't be afraid of their success. You know, people who are eaten up with envy don't even want to hear about others' successes. Like they have a tough time celebrating other people. You, know, you can use other people's success stories. You can look at other people's lives as inspiration, but not necessarily imitation. I love this quote. It's from Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life. He says, compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. Isn't that good? Compare yourself to yourself. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday. In other words, making progress. Again, it's not about sitting on your hands and doing nothing. It's about being all that you can be. It's about being all that God created you to be. Or to use old school language, I would say, count your blessings, not your neighbor's. Count your blessings. I mean, have you ever actually done that before? I would encourage you, if you've never done that, it may seem a little strange. Get out a piece of paper and just start writing. Just make a list of all the things that are blessings in your life. You'll be blown away. And you know what that'll do? It'll change something on the inside of you. You'll begin to be grateful for what you have and not focus so much on what you don't have. And grateful people are often generous people who give rather than take. So count your blessings and don't worry about somebody else's. All right, let's get practical here. Um, this afternoon, like you go home and, and your mind and your emotions start to drift towards envy and comparison, right? When that happens, I want you to stop and declare this. Envy, you're not the boss of me, okay? I want you to say that. Envy, you're not the boss of me. I will not chase the wind. Envy, you're not the boss of me. In fact, Envy, let me show you what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to sit down and write a letter congratulating her for all the stuff I hate about her. Because you're not the boss of me, right? You're not going to hijack my life. You know what? I'm, I'm actually going to celebrate him. Even though he gets all the credit and I'm the one doing all the work, I'm going to cheer him on until you finally shut your mouth, Envy. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. So let's all say this out loud together on three. One, two, three. Envy, you're not the boss of me. Let's do it again with a little more attitude, okay? One, two, three. Envy, you're not the boss of me. Good. Because after all, you've got another boss. Did you know that? <laughs> Jesus is your boss. He's got a little different instructions for you. Did he say, compare thyself to one another? Not that I've read. 
Don't compare yourself to one another. Love one another. Those two are not compatible. <laughs> Let me tell you, envy always gets in the way of love. So this is not just a nice to do. This is mission critical. In John 13, 35, Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another, if you celebrate, if you cheer on, if you love one another. Celebrate what everyone else is doing and focus on being a better version of you today than you were yesterday. All right, one last question, and I promise I'll I'll get out of here, okay? This one's tough to see in the mirror. It's tough to admit, but here it is. Is it possible that in some area of your life, envy has become the boss of you? Let me be a little more specific. Is it possible that in one relationship, envy has become the boss of you? Like it's your sister-in-law, it's your brother-in-law, it's your older brother, it's your older sister. Like my older sister, she's, she's so smart, she doesn't even have to try. Like I try and I try and I try. She just gets up and everything works out for her. You know, maybe in your life, there's just that one relationship where envy is the boss of you. Or maybe it's one environment, right, at work, at school, on that team. Hopefully it's not at home. But is there an environment where envy is the boss of you? If so, you got to deal with this. Because if you don't, you'll be chasing after the wind, and that is meaningless. And if you spend enough of your time doing what's meaningless, your life becomes meaningless. And envy will draw you in and hijack you into self-centeredness that just drains your life. The world doesn't need any more of that. So let's follow Jesus. You know, unlike envy, he'll make your life better. And unlike envy, he'll make you better at life. He'll make your life better because he'll make you better at life. Let's pray. Lord, uh, it's convicting to think about what's inside of us. And God, we don't always know where it comes from. Sometimes it's just our sin nature. Sometimes it's, it's the world feeding that, and we need to cut that off. Sometimes the enemy himself is involved in planting lies in our head and in our minds and our hearts. And we got to weed these things out. But God, remind us that there's, there's no win. With envy, with comparison, it's, it's like chasing the wind. And teach us what it means to be content with what we have, that less is more if it leads to contentment. And for each of us, Lord, we need to take a long, hard look inside of our hearts, figure out what's in there, and and maybe what's driving us in life. Because Solomon is saying that, that all the accomplishments, all that stuff, it's ultimately driven by envy. And God, I pray that we would not compare ourselves to others and look at other people's blessings, but instead we would count our blessings and just compare ourselves to where we were yesterday. And we know that apart from your Holy Spirit, we don't stand a chance at doing this well. But with you, all things are possible. We are imperfect people, but we're doing life with you, a perfect God. And so we want to root out these things. We want to root out guilt. We want to root out envy. We want to take care of every one of these emotions that compete for control of us so that you can have full control. You are our Lord and Savior. You are the one we follow. You're the one who has the prescription to do life the best. So God, continue to work on our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
And maybe you're here this morning and you're not sure what it means even to have a relationship with God through Jesus. We've got some individuals up front. They'd be happy to share that with you. Or if you have a prayer concern, a prayer need in your life, they'd also be willing to pray with you. Otherwise, you guys go out of here and remember, envy is not the boss of you. All right, have a great day.